You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. That indeed was an end of an era as Ring of Honor presented Final Battle 2021. This is Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast. Welcome to Pure Ring of Honor Retrospective Podcast here on the Count Out Pod Network. I am Sean Taggart, bringing you a fan perspective view of the Ring of Honor product from 2002 to 2021, and maybe a little bit beyond too. Who knows? We're going to start with uh, December 11th, 2021, Final Battle 2021's end on a somber, start on a somber note and start on something a little bit bigger here. We're going to talk about not only what we see as the future of ring of honor but also we'll dive into some of the past details as well in our future episodes so we're going to dive right into it we're going to talk about the week that was final battle uh as we know this was the end of an era the final show possibly for ring of honor history a lot of talk about what the future would hold back in october it was announced that at the end of the year ring of honor would be taken a hiatus to at least april of 2022 where they would come back with Super Card of Honor and WrestleMania weekend in Dallas. But a lot of things also came out about that, where talent's contracts would expire at the end of the year, meaning an influx of free agents. We already saw a free agent come out of Ring of Honor already in Jay Lethal joining All Elite Wrestling shortly thereafter the announcement. What this all means, though, we don't know. Um, we're still trying to figure that out. Ring of Honor, I think, was trying to test out the waters uh, during Final Battle last night. And we'll talk a lot about that during this episode here. Um, a lot of feeling out processes that happen, testing um, certain things that they may want to use um, going forward if so desire. But also a lot of things to be happy about. A lot of title changes, what that really means, what that's going to lead into, who knows. But we'll start in the beginning of the week. Uh, during the week, Ring of Honor released every day, anywhere between 1 or 7 p.m. Eastern, a match that was Final Battle worthy on their YouTube channel, and it was deemed the Road to Final Battle. So on Monday afternoon at around 1, 2 o'clock, Jonathan Gresham took on Dragon Lee in what was a match that, if Dragon Lee won, would he get added to the... Uh, made event which at the time and we'll go into that as well because there's a lot of story going into this uh bandito and jonathan gresham for the ring of honor world title would that even happen would if dragon lee won would he jump in and the main story around that too is gresham never beat dragon lee one-on-one in ring of honor so there was a lot of you know what what ifs in this match could he finally overcome that and as we saw throughout this match Gresham has improved as a technical wrestler. He is someone who believes in the purity of professional wrestling. He started the foundation with uh, Jay Lethal, um, Rhett Titus, as well as Tracy Williams. He expanded it to also now include uh, the current pure champion, Josh the Goods Woods, and Taylor Rust. But we see these things here where, you know, we go into this wondering if this is actually going to happen, if... Dragon Lee is going to actually pull this off and win. 
Um, a lot of back and forth action, but in the end, uh, Jonathan Gresham takes that win and really cements himself as the guy who has a really good chance here to beat Bandito. We go over then to Tuesday. This was released at 7 Eastern, where Dalton Castle and Dak Draper faces Flip Gordon from 2018 and his doctor, PJ Black. A fun little tag match here. Um, I really like Dalton Castle's character as he expanded it a little bit more. He really focuses now on the the full-on pageantry of his character. He's very much exasperated his whole you know feel and design he is very busy he has no time to really do anything but he has time to run around the ring clap with his uh you know little peacocks that come around with him he did a lot in here where you could say that he may have taken away from the match and really focused on different aspects of that as well where you know he would be a distraction for flip or pj um dak would get the upper hand quick tags back and forth you know Dalton would come in for a few seconds get a couple moves in and then you would switch over directly to um Dak again uh before coming into it and you know PJ and uh Flip took the victory and you know some momentum swings there um we go into Wednesday and this was another early afternoon match where uh, Caprice Coleman and Beer City Bruiser finally got into the ring and faced each other one on one. I would say this one was probably the the low light of the week. We can probably say EC3 and Demonic Flamita was as well, but I really couldn't get into this match. I really do like Caprice Coleman as a commentator. He's still very good in the ring. I, I feel though that Beer City Bruiser, you know, he doesn't do it for me. I, I don't like his character. I don't feel like he is, you know, a strong enough person to f- face someone of Caprice's caliber. But there was a storyline there. Um, we saw Ian Riccoboni finally stand up for himself and kick uh, Brian Malonis in between the legs to help, you know, delve that distraction that we were seeing trying to from Ken Dixon and uh, Brian Malonis to help Beer City Bruiser win. But Caprice actually takes that victory um, and a big win. And everyone was talking about how Ian Riccoboni finally stood up for himself, finally um, did away with the bullies that were bullying him in Ring of Honor in um, the Beer City Bruiser, Brian Malonis, and Ken Dixon. So, so far during the week, we've seen a lot of different styles of matches. We saw the technical side We've seen the sports entertainment side. Then we saw a bruising side. This, you know, upcoming match, which was for the Ring of Honor six-man championship belts, uh, really was another one of those bruising matches. I thought it was a really good match here. I do like the team of Violence Unlimited, which was Homicide, Tony Deppin, and at this time, a healthy Chris Dickinson. Take on Shane Taylor Promotions, which comprised of, in this iteration, Shane Taylor Khan and Moses, a very bruising, very back and forth, beat him up, shut shut him down style match. I mean, obviously these two teams are what during the time during the course of the year was the more violent entity of Ring of Honor versus the whole pure versus uh, violent side of things that they were trying to portray here. Violence Unlimited obviously took 
ownage to the violent side, but Shane Taylor Promotions was also some of that team that brought a little bit extra, uh, packed a little bit more of a punch. Um, you know, with this match here, it was a really brute strength match. A lot of heavy shots, heavy hits, a lot of spots that were, you know, brutal. And we expected that. But at the end of the day, Shane Taylor's promotions retained and they would head into final battle at hour one as champions against uh, Righteous, which was Vincent, um, Tyler Bateman, and Dutch. So we go into the last Road to Final Battle match, which is Dominic Thermita versus uh, EC3. I don't get EC3's character, and I think it's a very, very sports entertainment-esque character. And I understand with Ring of Honor, you know, things have changed, and they have you know, delved into some of that stuff a little bit more than they have in the past. But really, for me, it didn't hit as well as I expected. I feel like there was a lot of things here with EC3 that were probably better suited outside of the realm of Ring of Honor, like he was doing with the choose your, create your narrative stuff that he was doing um, on Fight TV. And seems like what we'll be seeing from him more as we go on to this uh, little episode here is there's going to be more of that, um, which whatever that means, I mean, we'll find out. But one of the major things here that we learned about um, was really just how good Flamita was against a guy like the caliber of EC3. He held his own. He did a really good job here. I felt it was a very good TV style match. Um, you know, the pace was there. Everything was there with this match. Flamita got his offense in, but at the end of the day, uh, EC3 de defeated Demonic Flamita, and we did see Vincent out there just really doing a good job on commentary. I really enjoyed Vincent's commentary on this match. It added a lot. It added a little bit more of the insight of understanding what kind of business that Vincent has within Ring of Honor and what he's trying to accomplish within Ring of Honor. Um, just doing a little bit more there to really get in the head of everyone. And I feel we're going to be seeing more of that with the Righteous outside of Ring of Honor as we saw... Um, them pretty much make their claim and stick their ground in beyond last Sunday at uh, FET Forever, um, which was a great show that you can catch the replay on on IWTV. Um, and really with Vincent, I feel like his character has done a great job at evolving, which was something that I think being part of the kingdom when he was part of that uh, group with Matt Taven, um, really I don't know if he fit in with what he was trying to do so getting that breakaway and really focusing on getting to the point where he could be himself I think was great for him um, really just something that you know you need to see more of and I think we're going to get more of that now with him in um, the independence a little bit more showing his face around we're going to see a little bit more of the righteous really take over the independent scene and most importantly take over uh maybe beyond with the upcoming match that we are going to see at heavy lies the crown hopefully between uh vincent and dan barry but that was um the road to final battle um that was a, a match a day on the ring of honor youtube channel it really piqued your interest 
into some of these matches that may take place on the show itself. It got you hyped and ready for Ring of Honor, Final Battle 2021, the end of an era. I think at the same time, too, a lot of these matches could have been saved for future TV episodes. Um, a lot of these were more TV-driven uh, matches than anything else, which there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of it um, just had to do with you know the timing of everything. Um, Ring of Honor, according to Ian Riccoboni, during the broadcast on uh, December 11th, said there's two more TV episodes left. So after the one that you see this week, whenever it drops in your area, because we all know how um, Sinclair does with their TV offerings and it's not really consistent, um, which was another issue with Ring of Honor. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the issues that they face with Sinclair as we go on with this uh, series of podcasts here on Canal Pod Network. So before we get into any further, let's just dive back a little bit to Thursday where we found out that Bandito... Uh, due to COVID-19, would not be at final battle. He was in Baltimore, took a test, found out that he was positive for COVID, and got sent back home because he had the um, virus. Second time this has happened, as we remember final battle of 2020, he also had COVID, so couldn't be on the card. A surefire bummer for anyone who is waiting for the John Gresham Bandito match for the Ring of Honor world title. There was a lot of speculation during that day. Would Tony Khan do the thing and send Brian Danielson to Ring of Honor to face Gresham? And a lot of people were like, why would they do that? I was one of them. I thought that would be silly, as we know. Why would you have him lose before winter is coming against uh, Hangman Adam Page? But I digress. We also then were like, hmm, what if they do Kenny King and Shane Taylor... Winner faces Gresham at the end of the night for the title. Okay, maybe that's a good idea. But no, instead, uh, Tony Khan was gracious enough to send Jay Lethal from AEW, which is weird to say because it still surprised me that he is in AEW after this time, to help out Ring of Honor and give us a main event of John Gresham and Jay Lethal. Once again, you're listening to Pure. Uh, Ring of Honor Retrospective Podcast. I thank you for listening. My name is Sean Taggart. Before we go into Final Battle Hour 1, let me just go into my uh, Ring of Honor history. I've been a fan of Ring of Honor seriously since 2002-2003. You know, I went to a good amount of their events in the New Jersey area with them being at Inman Sports Center in Edison and then uh, the Rexplex um, which was another great venue in New Jersey. Visited um, Hammerstein and the Manhattan Center a few times. Did all that travel. Um, but big fan of Ring of Honor. Uh, I feel as if, you know, obviously once the guys like Danielson, Punk, um, Cabana, McGinnis, all those exited out, you know, there was that state of flux and everyone's going to go through that time of, uh, turnover and it's really dependent on how they respond and for some cases Ring of Honor did respond well and there were other cases where they didn't. Case in point when um, the elite left in the Young Bucks Cody, Hangman Page um, when they left they were really scrambling because most of the time the main stories revolved around any of those members mainly Cody and the Young Bucks but really there wasn't anyone there 
in their mind that was ready to step up into that level, they would try and do certain things like you saw in the end of Final Battle 2019, them making PCO champion, finally giving him a shot to be the guy of a company. But, I mean, Ring of Honors had gone through a lot, and at the same time, too, Ring of Honors has been a stepping stone for a lot of bigger stars that have gone on to become well-known stars like a CM Punk, like a Brian Danielson, like a Roderick Strong, like a uh, Tyler Black, also known now as Seth Rollins, like a Claudio Castagnoli, Cesaro, um, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, El Generico, who some may think he is Sami Zayn. We don't know for sure. Um, we don't know what he looks like without a mask, so we've never seen that. But a lot of things here we've seen come from the Ring of Honor landscape. A lot of what we see now in current television wrestling has a lot to do with Ring of Honor. Not so much anymore in WWE as they shifted their whole brand scheme to be more like the main roster brands with NXT. But AEW obviously has some wrinklings there. A lot of what you see now in other independent promotions like a Game Changer Wrestling, like a Beyond Wrestling, like a Warrior Wrestling, like New Texas Pro, like Expect the Unexpected, all these promotions, especially Expect the Unexpected, named after a show, named after a catchphrase from The Amazing Red. A lot of these things have places in Ring of Honor that not many people know or not many people care to give the credit to. They didn't create independent wrestling. No one's saying that they did that. A lot of people will credit giving a promotion like Ring of Honor a lot of credit for doing something that you know was done not so often. That was the super indie shows. You would bring all this major talent together on a month-to-month -month basis and have these big cards and sometimes double shot weekends, sometimes multiple times a month, as we saw as they would lead in and get bigger, uh, Ring of Honor. It, it's, it's a very interesting thing, and I don't want to take away from Final Battle 2021 because that was such an excellent show um, in its own right in some aspects. But I do want to talk about here just the importance of what Ring of Honor did. Um, for not only the wrestling scene, but also the independent uh, scene as well. Now, we talk about that a little bit, um, and we'll talk about that more as we go along some of the other shows here in the history of Ring of Honor. I'll talk about at the end of the show how I'm going to be releasing these episodes and stuff like that to give you an idea of how we are really driving into it. But we're going to go now and we're going to talk about our one of Ring of Honor Final Battle. It started off with a match right away, which is great. And it was for the six-man tag team titles. The Righteous of Dutch, Vincent, and Bateman against Shane Taylor Promotions. As we know, Shane Taylor had his match later in the night against Kenny King. So replacing him was O'Shea Edwards, uh, Khan, and Moses. This was a fun little tag match here that really kick-started the show. I feel, you know, we saw a lot from the Righteous in terms of their very good teamwork. They were a very strong unit. They do a very good job together. They work well together. They make the quick tacks on one another so that they can all get advantage as when they need to get into there. 
with Shane Taylor promotions, you saw a little bit of difference in there without Shane in there and no Shay. The inexperience, a little bit of the three of them working together compared to the uh, Shane Taylor with Con and Moses. I think there was a little bit more of a hesitation from Shane Taylor promotions. O'Shea Edwards, I think, had a little bit of nerves in him as this was really his true final battle moment getting into that match here. Um, but we saw a lot of strong bruising action. We saw a lot of action in this match that, you know, felt good. We saw a lot of stuff in this match that, you know, you would think about and say, wow, that was a great moment. That was a great, uh, impactful move. But the thing is, this match kind of had a lull. And then all of a sudden, the bell rang. But, um... Referee Jay Clemens only counted two, so there was some confusion there, which really dove away from the momentum and really confused a lot of people. It confused Ian and um, Caprice. It confused O'Shea Edwards. It confused Kane and Moses. There was a little hesitation there to get really back into there, but at the end of the day, a, little, a red rum leader, uh, Righteous are your new six-man tag team champions, which was, like I said, a very exciting thing and a very... Um, nice way to cap off the start of Final Battle 2021. Quinn McKay would then be starting to talk to Jay Lethal, who replaced Bandito in what we then found out would be for the Ring of Honor World title in his match tonight against Jonathan Gresham. Uh, talking to him about thanking him for coming back, what this means for him tonight. Jay Lethal said he needed to become three-time Ring of Honor World Champion. He, he needed this. He is ready for this. He will do whatever it takes uh, introducing uh, that match as a Ring of Honor World title match, which was a delight to many of the fans in the crowd. I was indifferent about it, but hey, we got a world title match here to close out the pay-per-view. We go back ringside where we are meet, greeted by Ian Caprice and Maria Canellis bennett who we still see, which was very cool in a way, the original Ring of Honor World title, which was up for grabs that night. I guess Bandito still had the regular world title on him, the current world title, I should say. But we would see that belt defended for the first time in a long time as um, Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal would fight for that belt. Uh, we would go then over to Bobby Cruz, who would then make that similar announcement. We would then go into woman division action here at Ring of Honor. I almost said woman's uh, woman of honor action. Got to remember that it's not that anymore. But we had Miranda Alize and the allure of Angelina Love and Mandy Leon take on the hex of Allison Kay and Marty Bell of NWA Women's Tag Team Champion Shine Tag Team Champions teaming up with Chelsea Green here. It's nice to give the woman uh, a shot on this show and give them the ability to showcase. And I do really like Marty Bell and Allison Kay. I think they're a very good team with one another. I was really never a fan of the Allure with the way that they came in during uh, the Super Show of, or excuse me, uh, the G1 Supercard show back in 2019 at Madison Square Garden. We'll talk about that show as that really. And a lot of people's minds showed the flaws and the inconsistencies that Ring of Honor had. But this match was, in my opinion, a little bit sloppy. I didn't really feel like the match picked up in any pace or anything like that. But there was a lot of points in this that slowed down. That really had moments where 
there could have been things done to move it along a little bit quicker, a little bit more efficiently, but they just didn't want to. Um, it just felt off. I don't think that everyone was really truly um, ready to work and ready to go on a high, fast uh, pace in this match. Everyone was going into the motions. I do feel, though, that Miranda Alizé was a bright spot in this match. I feel she's been one of those performers on the women's division that's really showcased herself and really pushed herself to be better, pushed herself to really step forward and take advantage of certain spots. I really liked her performance throughout the tournament and then in the final against Roxy. I really enjoyed that match as well, and I feel like her being more of a heelish character is more suited for her. Um, I do. I didn't like this match, though. Um, I just felt it dragged on a little bit and really prodded away and took away from some of the momentum that the six-man tag team uh, championship match had. But at the end of the day, Mandy uh, Leon t- picks up the victory for her team, and we go on to the final match of our one, which was introduced to us with Dan Housen on commentary. He just appeared out of nowhere crowd loves that guy i can't wait to see what happens with him once his contract's free and he is healthy which is a big thing too because currently as we all know he's dealing with a leg injury but the team of flip gordon pg black the bouncers and world famous cb who was dressed up like cheeseburger down to the haircut and the gear uh faced the team of lsg max the impaler sledge will Ferreira, and demonic flamita i will say having um Max the Impaler in this match was a great thing. They're really well liked, not only by the crowds, but by the Ring of Honor locker room. They really showcase themselves here as a bruiser, as a powerhouse. Could lift Beer City bruiser Brian Malonis with no issue. Really focused on their strength in this match. And I think you're going to see a lot more of Max the Impaler once Ring of Honor does restart. And in fact, they do. Um, We'll talk about that throughout the show, too, here. Uh, But, I mean... We saw everyone here in their own right get a lot of moments in this match from the Shote, from uh, CB, Sledge, and, uh, Sledge just showing his strength in general against everyone here. Obviously, we talked about Max and their strength. Um, Demonic Flamina showing his flippy do stuff. Flip guarding, remembering that it is 2018 in his mind and showing why people did enjoy Flip Gordon before he opened his mouth during the pandemic, which I'll talk about this after the match, why I think Flip flipped in a sense, if you want to talk about it like that. But at the end of the day, the team of PJ Back, the Bouncers, World Famous CB, and Flip Gordon won. And that was the end of hour one. We got a very passionate push from Caprice and Ian almost to the point where they were selling you on the latest televangelist profits and stuff like that or whatever televangelists do. But it was a very powerful message for you guys to order the pay-per-view if you haven't yet. With me being on Honor Club, all I had to do was just wait a few minutes for the screen to switch over to the uh, warning screen. So there wasn't really that much I had to worry about or rush to do. I will say this about Flip Gordon. Very talented wrestler, an idiot when he speaks, but a talented wrestler. Um, I think what we saw from him during the early pandemic era tapings where he, you know, had that weird weird netted mask as his face mask to protect himself and some of the other, you know, things that he would talk about. And everyone's open 
disdain for Flip in general. Like they just didn't like being with him or being around him. Made it to the point where I think they did this whole storyline after um, Mark hit him uh, hit him hard with the chair, did the pile driver on the chair, and he reverted back to the flippy do flip Gordon from 2018 that was trying to get booked for all in um, a way to save face and really try to fix his image. But his image was already messed up. No one is going to really, in my mind, no one should really care about flip in terms of what he does after this. I mean, he damaged himself. I think in hindsight, looking back on this, he damaged his chances of getting to AEW if that was a goal of his just because I feel like the elite of Cody, Kenny, the Young Bucks, all want to kind of distance themselves from that speech and that thought process. Um, we all heard how they all were pro, you know, pushing everyone to get the va- get vaccinated and everything like that, um, whereas Flip was highly against that. So I don't see Flip being a part of the AEW roster anytime soon. Um, but, you know, weirder things have happened in wrestling, and I've chosen to take too much time talking about flip gordon so we're gonna uh get that little piece out of the way and we're gonna go to the main show we get the warning the fbi warning don't do this man don't do this and we get to the very first match which was a lucha spot fest that everyone including myself enjoyed here between Ray Horace versus Dragon Lee. It was a great match that showcased his skill. As we all know, Ray Horace was 0-8 going into this match against Dragon Lee inside and outside Ring of Honor. So, you know, maybe a lot of people felt, hey, this is great. This is a chance for Dragon Lee to finally lose to Ray Horace and bring up Horace as a very valuable threat to maybe the television, maybe the uh, Ring of Honor world title down the line. Not so fast. We saw a very good evenly paced match um it took three incinerators by dragon lee to finally put uh ray oris to bed and we had our first match on the main show over where the winners of that match or the winner of that match rather was dragon lee we would then go to a um little segment from eddie edwards thanking ring of honor fans for everything that they have done thanking ring of honor for helping him become the person that he's become a lot of thank yous for the show which made it feel like this was it there was a lot of remembering the past remembering everything that was done in the past so there's this feeling on one end of the spectrum that last night or that december 11th was it the final show of ring of honor history Never coming back in April. That's just a joke um, that people want to believe, but it's not really going to happen. There's the other aspect, and at the end of the show, I'm jumping ahead, where they played this little video clip saying that they would be back April 2022. As we all know, that's once uh, WrestleMania weekend is going to be for Super Card of Honor. So, little bit difference in terms of you know messages throughout the show. Um, you know, we heard messages not only from Eddie Edwards, but we heard it from Hangman Page. We've heard it from the Young Bucks. We heard it from CM Punk. We heard it from Adam Cole. We heard it from Brian Danielson. A lot of different, you know, messages thanking everyone for everything that they did for Ring of Honor, thanking them f- for helping them build their careers up um, because of Ring of Honor. But it was a 
totally different tone and message throughout the entire show like i said you know at one half you have this and then the other half they're talking see you in april doing all this stuff it was a very confusing what if message that they shared i you know coming out of this i still don't know what they're gonna do it'll be interesting to see as we build towards april 2022 what is coming out of it but let's go back to the show which was then five uh up next was the Ring of Honor Television Championship match between the champion Dalton Castle, Silas Young, Rhett Titus, and the returning Joe Hendry. Hendry got the loudest pop of this match as he came back to that song that everyone sings along and loves. Even Caprice and uh, Ian love to sing this song. I thought, you know, this match... Again, an, another clunky match in itself. I thought it never really got up to gear that they wanted it to go to. Um, there was a ref bump uh, spot in this match, which then had Hendry knock out Dalton with the Ring of Honor TV title belt, which pretty much incapacitated uh, Dalton out of the rest of this match. Um, but yeah, it never picked up. I mean, everyone got their signature moves and everyone got some of their spots in. It just felt weird, though. I never felt like it got to that second gear. Um, and at the end of the day, we did see uh, Red Titus pick up his first single title victory in 15 years of being with the company. Uh, been with the company since 2007 and never looked back. He was a very, very much a company man. He, you know, wore that uh, Ring of Honor shirt proudly, wore, the, you know, flung the flag. Uh, very well for that company too um, did a lot for that company uh, and you know seeing him being the last television champion uh, was a good sight to see because of how much he's done for that company and I think you know a lot of the old faithful a lot of people who have been following Ring of Honor since the very beginning were very proud to see that moment finally for Red Titus um, but it was another sloppy match i think i don't think really it got going to the level that they even wanted Brett won with the drop kick which is something that beyond fans and the uncharted territory series will find a little bit funny since Brett has a, executed a picture perfect drop kick on george Ole, um and a few others in uh, carlos romo most recently um in his appearances at uncharted territory um, Eli Isom asked EC3 to help t uh, their match tonight as we saw earlier in the evening during hour one Rocky Romero uh, get asked to be part of the Violence Unlimited team you know teaming up with the Rottweiler once again in Homicide let out that evil streak once more time show off and he was ready to let the body sit the floor which you know got a cringe moment for me and as well as Brody King and uh, Tony Deppin so EC3 begrudgingly accepts, and we now have an eight-man tag between Violence Unlimited and, uh, and Team Pure, which was uh, Eli Ayeson, Taylor Russ, and Tracer Williams, but now the addition of EC3. We then go to uh, Brian Johnson coming out to the ring and you know proclaiming he is the next Pure uh, champion, proclaiming that he is the guy that's going to be the champion, the guy of Ring of Honor to bring purity back in Ring of Honor. Um, and he goes through his whole spiel of announcing where he's from, his weight and everything, and out comes the pure champion, Josh the Goods Woods. 
never got into Josh Woods as a wrestler, as a performer. I think he is very good, but I just don't think his character is fully developed yet to the point where you can buy him as this killer just due to the fact that during his time with Silas Young, he just wanted to high-five the crowd and wave to them the entire time. It was a goofy Gus. Um, really jokey, really didn't focus on the match at hand. But when he was in the rink, he was a very strong uh, performer. Really, uh, him beating Jonathan Gresham was a shock to a lot of people, I think. Not to me, per se, because I felt like that was the plan all along. You know, him failing to Gresham a few times, finally overcoming that and finally winning. Um, we did see some shenanigans from Brian Johnson, such as taking off the uh, turnbuckle pad to then um, showcasing and bringing out brass knuckles to hit Josh Woods with, and Woods kicked out of that. Um, also, he was able to, you know, do some dirty-handed tactics, but at the end of the day, that really didn't matter. Josh Goods overcame all that and retained his pure championship. Another match to me that really never got going. Another match to me that felt like it was missing a gear to really go forward into the point where, okay, this is picking up, this is doing a really good thing here, this is going to get to the point where, you know, we're going to see something here. And it never got to the point where I felt like it should have gone. I feel like that match could have been so much better um, and, you know, drawn out a little bit more if they did actual wrestling holes. They tried to do it, but, like, it just wasn't something that was fully fleshed out or anything like that. Now, you then go to the second half of the show, in my eyes, where every match got better. We saw the uh, Fight Without Honor match, Shane Taylor versus Kenny King. This was the match that got the crowd back into it, got myself back into it. I feel that need of plunder sometimes hinders a match, but this one really showcased the plunder very well. Ladders, tables, chairs, you name it, kendo sticks. I do want to point out, and as an aside, how much Shane Taylor has improved as a performer from when he first started in Ring of Honor as a tag team partner of Keith Lee to him moving over to the Rebellion, to him winning the TV title, to him starting Shane Taylor promotions, to now. He has evolved as a performer. He has evolved as a wrestler. He looks great. He moves great. He does a lot of good things, and he's also doing it for the culture, which is a big thing. He wants to bring out the best and showcase the best in african-american black wrestlers he wants to showcase he wants to bring that you know to the forefront he wants to show that they can be draws and he's proven it with uh, shane taylor promotions and he's proven it with his work ethic that they can be and they should be um kenny king and him had a you know long time rivalry they were friends but he could never beat kenny and the story of that was Kenny always had the one up until he finally beat him. And then some something clicked with Kenny and the jealousy uh, ramped up a little bit to the point where he was frustrated by it. And obviously we know the history from there. La Faction and Gerbil Nobles ruining his uh, world title match for Shane. All that stuff really focused on bringing out a little bit more of an aggressive side for Shane. I think, you know... The, the story was there. It was a very good story-driven match. I think you saw, you know, callbacks of former matches that the two had, former times with one another. I do feel, though, that this could have been a little longer. I wouldn't have minded it being more of a 20, 25-minute match. I think it deserved the time to go on there as to showcase how 
good both these guys are as performers, as wrestlers in Ring of Honor. I do, though, think that um, Shane Taylor has a huge upside from whatever he decides to do next or whatever they decide to do next uh, with Shane Taylor Promotions will be a great thing for the wrestling scene as it will continue to shine a positive light on black wrestlers in the not only the United States but the world. I think you can see him travel the world sharing that knowledge and sharing that wealth that he has with Shane Taylor Promotions. Another thing, too, to point out, God, that uh, pile driver th- through the uh, ladder, that had to hurt Kenny King. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I thought he was out. But uh, they, I bit, I believed it, you know, to count there. And then, obviously, the uh, the Garvey driver, the Garvin driver for uh, the three on the chair gave Shane Taylor the win after the match, you know, hugs abound and everyone was happy that they finally put it aside offers uh kenny king a spot in stp we'll see if he fully accepts i expect he will um but this was the start of the change of the show this is where the show got a lot better in my opinion got a lot stronger in my opinion um we would then go to the women's world title match between roxy and willow this told a great story too this told the story of roxy not being able to do what she does best not being able to um move hit those moves that she normally does because willow scouted her to a point where you know on commentary quinn ian uh caprice all called that out as something that roxy never dealt with this type of um defense or offense how would she improve how would she try to push over but i mean honestly you think about it and you think about everything that happened in this match you were going to see roxy retain I think it was the right move. Obviously, Roxy is a very young, up-and-coming performer. She can still defend that title throughout the independence if she wanted to. I think you'll see some defenses for her. One of the most interesting uh, thoughts was Diana Perrazzo coming back to Ring of Honor to challenge Roxy for a winner-take-all. Uh, the Reina de Reina's AAA Women's title, the Impact Knockouts title, and Roxy's Ring of Honor Women's Championship as that match is yet to be announced as when it will happen. I'm assuming it will happen after Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill because uh, she has to get through Mickey James first, Deanna, to regain that title. But, I mean, that's a match that a lot of people, you know, wanted to see. We heard Caprice and Ian talk about how Roxy reminded them a lot of Deanna as she was coming through Ring of Honor during that time and, you know, Deanna comes in wanting her title that she never won because she never got the chance to, which was an interesting, uh, you know, wrinkle to that whole thing. I am excited for that match. I think Deanna's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. I think Roxy has a few years before she gets that level, but she's well on her way, well on her way to becoming one of the best women's wrestlers in the United States and possibly the world as well. Keep an eye on her where she goes because Hopefully we get that Deanna and Roxy match before she gets scooped up by a promotion like AEW or um, Impact. Um, We then go on to the eight-man tag team match of Violence Unlimited uh, with Rocky Romero taking on EC3, Eli Asen, Taylor Rust, and Tracy Williams, Team Pure. This was the final Violence vs. Pure match that, you know, We've had sprinkles up throughout the year through Ring of Honor television and events that they ran throughout the year. I think this match was a very good match in terms of callbacks. 
We saw the uh, the clothesline bounce off the ropes clothesline for uh, Nigel McGuinness. We saw cattle mutilation. Uh, we saw, you know, the brain buster off onto the turnbuckle like uh, Generico did. We saw a lot of great callbacks to classic uh, important wrestlers of Ring of Honor at the time frame. We saw a lot of good pure. We saw a lot of good, uh, you know, violent wrestling. We saw a lot of good things in this match. We also saw Chris Dickinson, who already is walking like he doesn't need the crutches anymore, but still has to use them. He's looking great as he recovers from that hip uh, injury that he uh, unfortunately suffered uh, during a New Japan Pro Wrestling US event. But he looked great. Um, it was good seeing him out there with Violence Unlimited. Good seeing him and good spirits but you know this match right here was a callback to callbacks to callbacks we saw east t3 begging for uh homicide to stick it in him when it came to the fork and wherever he wanted to stick it in him but i mean really okay match ends and we see eli asm get pinned um by the violence Unlimited team by homicide in particular i'm sorry by birdie king in particular um, and they roll out and they go away. Uh, EC3 grabs the mic. And this is where it gets a little weird to the point where I think this is a story point and seeing how we could figure out if this is going to be something that would do good in the rebranding of Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor 2.0, whatever they're going to call it. Um, one of the things that were pointed out here was, you know, Brian Johnson, Dak Draper, Eli Asim, you guys, you know, need to be better than what you're doing here. You guys lost your jobs, blah, blah, blah. Take back what's yours. Um, fight for your narrative, so on and so forth. But it was a very long-winded promo to get to that point. It wasn't straightforward. It wasn't to the point. It took a while to get there um, in EC3 fashion to the point where I was like, is this going to lead to anything? Like, I felt... I felt like, you know, this was the lull of the second half of the show. I, I felt like you had such great matches back to back to back um, where you felt like this was a very good point to, you know, continue that momentum. But they really try to kill this momentum by having this segment here. As we then find out, the former uh, Blake and Braun Strowman, who's known as Titan, uh, the Titan, Adam Schur, come out and just demolish all three. Dak Draper, uh, Brian Johnson, and Eli Asim um, as they have to fight and they have to get beat up to understand their narrative and everything like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know where this is going to lead to. It might lead to them being on one of those free the narrative or for the narrative shows that uh, EC3 doesn't fight. I wasn't interested by this at all. I just thought it was a very slow uh, middling pace that really didn't do anything for the show it didn't do anything for me in terms of wanting to see more of this i was ready to you know do something else but as we know um we would then move on to the ring of honor world tag team titles where the briscoes would be your 12 time ring of honor tag team champions it's only fitting that the briscoes would walk out as potentially the last ring of honor tag team champions here but the match probably was my match of the night honestly I mean, Shane Taylor and Kenny King were right up there, but this was a very good tag team match. I wasn't uh, expecting Maria to come out with the kingdom of the OGK here, but it was nice to see them. It was also nice to hear something for you once again on the uh, the carry tron and the speakers 
it's nice to see them wearing the old kingdom uh, purple out uh, shirts it was just a very nice uh homage to you know their team and also the briscoes as well they you know the hits were done throughout this entire match the um Taven's little um, suicida t uh, off through the top rope um, to uh, do the doomsday device to uh, Mark Briscoe was a very sweet move. I would check uh, recommend checking out this match in general as it was probably one of the better matches of the entire um, show. But, I mean, at the same time, too, this was just a very good Briscoe's tag team match. The Briscoes were in full effect. Uh, congratulations, Mark and his wife, for their seventh child that's on the way yeah that's just way too many i guess but good for them um the seventh on the way and hopefully you know that's it but you know they had a very good match here and honestly i think it's fitting that the briscoes were considered and were made tag team champions here there's no one really else that could go out there maybe ogk could have retained but i wasn't disappointed by this uh, result at all i think it was fitting but we got, you know, the Briscoes calling out any tag team that wanted to face them face-to-face. -face. And AEW, you know, Tony Khan does it again. Thank you, Tony Khan, which was mentioned various times throughout the show. Thanking Tony Khan, thanking Billy Corgan, thanking Brett Lauderdale, thanking uh, Scott Damore and everyone that helped them make tonight possible. You know, a lot of big name players in the wrestling industry helped make Ring of Honor what it could be, you know. Brett was uh, from GCW, they mentioned, was willing to give some talent, you know, whatever it needed to be done to get some talent on their show if they needed talent um, for, like, you know, some guys that, you know, may want to get spotlight. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, Tony Khan lended over Jay Lethal, but also lended FTR in this segment here with the Briscoes. The Hex were part of uh, the, you know, pre-show hour one uh, six-woman tag match, and then obviously Deanna Perrazzo. So there was a lot of callbacks here. There was a lot of welcoming here and thanking. But let's talk about this FTR Briscoe segment because this was hot. This was a very good segment. You know, obviously the Briscoes and FTR have been calling one another out on social media for the past few weeks, few months. And honestly, this was great. This really, you know, drives to the point home that these two teams need to fight each other. And it will probably happen sooner than you think. I think we can see FTR and the Briscoes fight in an AEW ring maybe within the next month or so, or if not sooner. This it will be an exciting match. This will be the time of uh, everyone's life in here. I think, you know, say what you want about FTR. I mean, you know, my thoughts aside, I think they are the right tag team to face a team like the Briscoes. There's a dream element in this match itself. But, God, this was just a great segment. This, honestly was one of those segments that you know if it happened i was glued to my tv and i was excited to watch this this really i'm excited for this match to happen when it happens um we saw on twitter uh joey janela saying that he wanted this for hammerstein but tony khan said no obviously that was gonna happen but man this this was good this is real good but let's go into the main event of the night which was jay lethal against Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor World title. The original title was on the line. They were showing that off. Oh, man, I love... That was my favorite belt in all the wrestling. I gotta say, I love that belt so much. Such a great-looking belt. Such a great uh, design. Simple yet effective, but put over the title as the big title, obviously, throughout that time. So, as we know here, 
there's some history here between the two. Obviously, we know um, Lethal's 5-2-1 all-time against Jonathan Gresham, um, but we also do know that there's some friction between the two because Jay Lethal doesn't even like the foundation. Doesn't even like the foundation. He doesn't like the foundation, as we found out from uh, The Righteous. But here, really, you know, I think it was a great showing from Gresham as Gresham worked that arm to make Jay's uh, lethal injection near impossible. And as we saw throughout the match, a couple times he tried to pull it off, he couldn't. Um, we saw, you know, the roster come out. We saw Baron Black, um, who was part of that Terminus uh, company that Jay, um, that Jonathan Gresham is going to be running in December, uh, January 16th of next year. We saw um, Jordan Grace out there with uh, Baron Black right in the front, cheering him on as the roster poured out and started to circle the ring and watch them um, really focus on that match itself. The match itself was okay. I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular. I, I just don't know if Jay's heart was really into this match, if he wanted to really come back. Because if you remember when he was announced at Full Gear, they did that uh, post-show press conference with him. And he had no intention of going back for a final battle, which I think took a lot of people aback um, because, you know, how Jay was part of that whole run back in um, from pretty much the beginning. Um, he was there as an 18-year-old part of Special K as Hydro. Finally got broken away with that and made uh, Samoa Joe's protege. Left for a few years to be uh, Macho Man Randy Savage impersonator, but came back and came back and became what he is now, the uh, franchise, the ace of Ring of Honor. Um, obviously, with the news, he was granted his release, as we found out on this weekend's uh, Talk is Jericho episode that was released. He was granted his release early to find, figure out what he was going to do next. And then, obviously, as we know, is now a member of the uh, AEW roster, which he did have an opportunity to be around for the launch of AEW. He just chose not to just because of his allegiance to Ring of Honor at the time. But, you know, honestly, with everything, you know, that, oh, we wanted Danielson, oh, we wanted Punko, we wanted so-and-so, this made sense. Because this talked about the now of Ring of Honor. This showcased this portion of Ring of Honor's history. And honestly, congratulations to Jonathan Gresham for becoming the Ring of Honor champion. He already mentioned in his post-match speech that he plans on defending it at Terminus and around the Independence. Plus, he did make a dig at Ring of Honor for saying that they wasted their time on bringing back the Pure Division as like this last-ditch effort where it should have been back from the entire time. So a little dig there, but we'll see what comes of it. I mean, this show had its ups and downs. Really felt like this was the final final show of the company. But then you saw, like I said earlier, at the end of the show, they had the um, April 2022 Ring of Honor returns. So I don't know what's going on. I don't think anyone really knows. I think... Um, and I was mentioning this with the guys at the Cattle Pod while we were watching the show, talking in um, with, with one another. You know, a lot of this stuff felt like tests for the relaunch of Ring of Honor. As we know, Ring of Honor isn't going to do guaranteed contracts anymore. They're going to be doing paper appearance, the talent um, that will come appear on their shows. What does this mean? I really don't know. Where is their place in independent wrestling right now with GCW kind of focusing more becoming bigger than I think a lot of people expected at this time with the pandemic doing what it did. I don't think anyone expected any really true number three to come out from the independence, but uh, game changer wrestling has done a lot on that aspect. 
you can listen to Lauren Rosenberg's Your Dose of Death. He talks about uh, that uh, style, that deathmatch style wrestling that GCW does partake in once in a while. Uh, it's part of our Cat Out Podcast Network. I would recommend listening to that show as well. But there's a lot of stuff here that's going on right now that's very good uh, for the wrestling industry. But this closure of Ring of Honor isn't a good one. And I mean, honestly, it isn't good because come April, who knows if a Ring of Honor is going to be truly necessary in the independent world, in the wrestling world, as we see other promotions shift up and make their moves as like the three, four, five. you know. Where does Ring of Honor fit come April 2022? We don't know. And... I don't think they really know yet, which is why we got this mixed signal of, hey, this could be it. But at the same time, check us out and see what happens come April. Obviously, talent announcement and everything like that for the Supercard of Honor show will happen before that. And we'll talk a little bit about that if it does happen. But yeah, man, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on here in the wrestling world with Ring of Honor, with um AEW with game changer wrestling as you know maybe the number three in the u.s there's a lot of talk about that um just a lot of interesting times and the influx of talent that's going to be coming on the independence pretty soon again because of a latest round of cuts from world wrestling entertainment we just don't know you know where everyone's gonna fit and this is pretty much why thinking about it a ring of honor if there's still that influx of talent that everyone can't fit may make sense it will give these guys opportunities to shine to really work out their um craft a little bit more and get more notoriety get more eyes on them and everything like that and it's not a bad thing you want something like that and it's also good seeing you know these championships defended while this hiatus is going on we'll see the briscoes defend the roh tag team titles i'm sure we'll see roxy defend her women's championship we'll see uh, Jonathan Gresham defend his world title. We'll see Josh Woods defend his uh, pure title. I don't know really what to, to look at with Red Titus and the TV title. I don't even know if Ring of Honor should come back with TV once they reboot and relaunch, if they do, because it doesn't make sense. Um, but this has been the first episode of Pure Ring of Honor Retrospective Podcast. You can check me out on Twitter at Taggart, T-A-G-G-A-R-T-S-588. You can check out the Countout Podcast Network on Twitter at countoutpod or countoutpod.com. You can follow along Pure and other podcasts on the Countout Podcast Network on your podcast app of choice. Once again, this is Sean Taggart thanking you for joining in on the first of many episodes of Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast. Thank you. This has been a Countout Podcast.